I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, y'all? Happy Monday. Celtics played day one. They extinguished the Suns. They put on that sun lotion, never got sunburnt. They showed some real good stuff. We're going to break that down over the first half of this podcast. And then what we're going to be doing for moving forward is the second half of the show after a game. And usually in the week two, we're going to break down around the league news and Celtics news that doesn't pertain to an actual game. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Breezy and Mr. Tim Shields. I'm stoked because we saw Tatum actually take the lid off a bucket, which was fantastic. But we'll get into that in a minute. How are you guys doing today? Hanging in, man. Join this Sunday. I'm doing great. Very hot outside. Softball team got a win. It's like a, we beat them nine to four. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to talk some Celtics basketball, man. Okay, so I think the first thing we need to start with is Jalen Brown, right? I mean, he looked hot in game one. Looked even hotter in game two. Led the, led the entire contest in scoring with 21 points. Was getting, getting wherever he wanted to go on the floor on drives. He was scoring from pull-ups. His handles looked good. There was a time where he showed some real good handles and then managed to beat his guy off the dribble and drive towards the rim. He's just looking like he never missed a beat. I mean, we saw those videos during the hiatus of him working out with his grandpa. And it looks like he's really stayed in shape and he's raring to go. It's exciting to see. At the moment, he's the team's best player. I think that's without question. You've just seen the way he's come in and just immediately demanded attention. I think from the very first bucket we saw in the first scrimmage against the Thunder where he had that that turnaround, fade back, step away, like jumper right on the baseline, and it was just absolutely money. And ever since that point, he really hasn't stopped. Today, you know, uh, versus the Suns, rather, he was 7 for 13 from the field, uh, 3 for 6 from 3. He led the Celtics in scoring, and he was doing a lot of stuff energetically on defense. Just all around, a huge threat on the floor. And I think that's big, especially when you look at the way that Jason Tatum started off, you know, in that, in that matchup versus the thunder, he was struggling a little bit to get it going. Uh, it definitely seemed like Brad Stevens was making the point of trying to get the ball to him to get him going offensively today. And once he found his stroke, he had a, he ripped off at least like three or four straight buckets Tatum did, but Jalen coming in and being that consistent right off the effort just goes to show, one, the kind of work ethic you're getting with Jalen Brown, guy who just doesn't quit, absolute gym rat, as we were talking about before with all the crazy workouts he was doing with going upstairs with the boxing gloves, getting a couple punches in, running back down the stairs, running back up and repeating. Just everything he's done to stay in shape during this hiatus in play and finally coming back to it, now we're seeing all that hard work pay off. And personally, I don't think many people – uh, on the Celtics, I would put ahead of Jalen in terms of work ethic. And it's I'm just happy to see. Jalen Brown looked absolutely phenomenal out there on the court. He 21 points, one rebound, one steal, and he played about 27 minutes, 20, 27, 28 minutes against the Phoenix Suns. So Jalen Brown is going to be a problem in the, in this this tournament. He's going to be a problem in the playoffs. And we've all knew that. Like, we, we've known that for a long time because we've watched him consistently play big in tournament games. Like, whenever there's playoff runs, Jalen Brown is a guy um, that the team likes to go to. He's a team – he's a person that can get the stuff going. He's a person that provides a lot of energy. He's pro- – I, I think I said this before. He's probably the best two-way player on the Celtics, right? Jalen Brown is going to be an absolute phenomenal stud in this tournament in the bubble. And I can't wait to see what teams are going to do when they have to counter him. Like, how do you defend Jalen Brown? Because that's what's going to open up opportunities for your other players because you can't put five guys on Jalen Brown and five guys on Jason Tatum and five guys on Gordon Hayward. or five. Like, you just don't have that. <laughs> you can't do that in the NBA. And I just can't wait to see what's going to happen or what's going to transpire going forward. we got another uh, scrimmage game coming up soon. And Jalen looked like he never skipped a beat. And that's, the, that's, that's it. He has not skipped a beat. And we all knew that who Jalen Brown was going to be. We all knew what type of player he was going to be. We watched him get injured every now and then, fall on the butt bone, and then all of a sudden he can't come on and, and he's, he just doesn't, you know. So Jalen Brown looks healthy. That's a great thing. Again, 21 points, a rebound, a steal, 
and is defending some of the best players on the court. So kudos to Jalen Brown. He had uh, two great games and the two scrimmage games, and he's been our most consistent player because we like to use that word a lot here on the show. Yeah, consistency breeds excellence. That's why we use that word on the show. Now, to touch on Tim's point about Tatum, Tatum was definitely getting force-fed. You saw it. He started off cold. He kind of carried over that cold Oklahoma game into this game. He looked a little bit slow on confidence. Got pulled early in the first. Sat for probably two. It wasn't long. It was probably two minutes. Had a bit of a talking to from the coaches. They gave him some ideas what they wanted to do. Put him back on the floor and then literally force-fed him the ball. He managed to get to the line, sink those two free throws. And boom, Tatum was back. The lid was off. We saw him draining mid-range. We saw him draining from deep. We saw him, I mean, dudes, guys, we saw him go sidestep, step back, jump shot free from the elbow. That is his shot. When he does that, you know he's feeling it. You know he's comfy. We saw him go left. We saw him go right. He was shaking a little bit. Led the game in rebounds as well. So he was doing things on both ends of the floor. Had that nice play where he jumped the passing lane, got the ball and dunked in transition. It just looked to me personally, and I put this out on Twitter, I'm going to be covering something about this tomorrow most likely for Celtics blood. It looked like he just needed to get a bucket for the confidence to come. And he scored one against Oklahoma, but it was kind of, you know, it was like, I've gone 0 for 5, 0 for 6, and I've hit a layup. Big whoop. He got this early and it got him going. I do think a big deal should be made about the fact that it's taken him a little bit of time to get going offensively. I don't know how much of that has to do with the layoff or as we've joked about before, the fact that he didn't have a hoop in the middle of the pandemic, but they were definitely trying to get a little bit of confidence underneath him. And I think that's important because the next scrimmage you're going to get is against the Houston Rockets. And that, in my opinion, is a really, really big step up from what you faced. As we talked about before in our little chats, talking about how the Thunder came in and first scrimmage out, Thunder really brought it. Thunder came and punched the Celtics in the mouth. And again, they went ahead and beat Philly today. We've talked about it on the show before, the Thunder are a big threat. But this Houston team especially is one of the probably top three, top four teams in the West. And having to go against them before you go on and take on the Bucks is definitely going to be a big, big step. So I think we saw it in this game a little bit more defensively they were planning a little bit better doing some scheming and we'll get more into the zone schemes about that in a bit but with with Jason Tatum especially I think it's a matter of him just getting hot he's a very streaky guy and I think he needs to heat up and he needs to get that volume in order to get going and I think with Jalen has that nice complimentary where Jalen is a very efficient scorer I think he doesn't need as many looks to get going and he works with what he has but with, with Tatum especially I think it's just a matter of him getting that swing back and as Adam said, when he hit that three, I was like, oh, boy. And he ripped off, like, three or four makes, like, immediately after that shot. As soon as he started getting that, you could see him get into a groove. But overall, he wasn't stellar this game. He wasn't great from the field. Six for 17, two for five from three. So that's not terrible. But he led the team in defensive rebounds and rebounds overall. So even if he's struggling a little bit offensively, he's still one of those guys that's going to contribute at all levels. So that's – an important thing for this Celtics team going forward. You know, I was always told it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I know Jason Tatum started off cold and he ended up heating up. I mean, 16 points and you said nine rebounds. This guy almost had a double-double in a scrimmage game against the Phoenix Suns. Listen, there's a lot of factors that can go into why Jason Tatum may need to get warmed up when it comes to playing basketball or getting his shot off. Jason Taylor, Jason Tatum, excuse me, is he's the type of person that you know you you want to see with the confidence and go out there and just play his game. You know, he he has the mentality to take over a game or just be him. Once that confidence is all set in and his mindset is is a go, it's going to be really hard to defend Tatum because that's when all of a sudden these crazy weird bucket shots start falling in. You know, the Kobe looking fade away from the three and, and hitting shots from the elbow and dribble, dribble, dribble right past you and put a move on and get into the rim and finish. And speaking of that, he's able to get to the rim and finish. That's a, that's a plus for Tatum because Tatum would always try to lay up and it'll go in or out. So he's getting better at that. So he, he he has progressed in that way. I'm not concerned about Jason Tatum. Listen, the Celtics have a bunch of players 
that we want to score. They all can't score 30, 40 points a night. <laughs> if so, the score would be like 300. But Jason Tatum always finds a way, guys, to finish strong. And that's what I love about him. So even if he doesn't finish strong in the point category, you're going to see stats like his rebounds are going to be up. He's going to find a way to assert himself, depending on what the defense, how the defense is coming at him. And like you guys pointed out earlier, confidence is key with him. His shots will fall. We want He's the person we want to see take those shots, right? If they go in, yes. If they go out, keep taking the shots because we know who you are. We know what you're going to do. And the fact that if, a, if, his, if his jump shot isn't falling, he's going to find a way to get to that rim, whether he's in the post or whether he's going to try to get around you and dribble or whatnot and get to the rim. He's going to find it or get to the free throw line, which you guys mentioned. So Jason Tatum's just not a guy I'm not super worried about. I know we want to see this all-star superstar status coming in the scrimmage game guys it's a scrimmage all right now and it's not let me let me rephrase that let me rephrase that because scrimmages i heard earlier today i heard scalabrini talking about what scrimmages were opposed to like this he said this was more like a real game just it just doesn't count <laughs> whereas scrimmages they'll work on scenarios called timeout do all these different types of things stop it let's work on this type of place put this defense in or whatnot so yeah it's it's a real live scrimmage going on but Tatum is my guy like he's he's going to perform and he finished with 16 so that should say that should say a lot but the next guy we should talk about this guy finished with 17 Hayward Hayward that's my guy <laughs> that's 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 the guy that's the guy we are all counting or banking on we're all rooting for him you know what i'm saying he's like no correlation but he's like the rudy of the team like you, he he's been through a bunch he's been through a lot and you just want to see this guy persevere and he started off slow as well but look how strong he finished so let's talk about let's talk about Hayward. yeah so Hayward for me i mean Hayward for me was he didn't score until the second quarter he went scoreless in the first opened it up i think it was like it was early in the second I think he was the second scorer, actually. I know Kemba scored the first bucket off a Tice high pick-and-roll screen, which we were used to seeing now. And then I think Haywood scored his first bucket then and then went on to drop 17. Played great on both ends of the floor. His jump shot just looked money. He had his patented mid-range stop, turn around, fade away, Jay. Hit some from the corners. Hit some in transition. He facilitated well. He played well on defensive rotations. And that's another thing I want to point out as well. For the first five minutes of this game, the Celtics were ridiculously intense on their rotations. They were closing out on guys with ferociousness, the, the velocity that they were speak, getting in guys' face. After those five minutes, they looked a little bit winded. They moved towards the zone. But Hayward in himself looks like he's going to be the Hayward that the Celtics need him to be to make it to the end of it, to make it to the Eastern Finals or to make it out of the East, is 95% likely to not be there for the entire time that they're in the bubble. And we can't hate him for that. But while he's there, he's going to be a huge factor for this team. Absolutely. And I think it's another thing to be said. You know, we, I talked a little bit about it before with Jalen Brown's efficiency. But Gordon Hayward, super efficient from the field. Six, six for 10. And then he ended up shooting three for five from the arc. And he hit... He only had two free throws, but, you know, he hit all of them. And on top of that, you know, he was a presence uh, in terms of defensively on the rebounds, only trailing Tatum. So him putting in those kind of minutes when he's not being that first go-to option offensively is huge. Because if you're, if you're ever in a rut and you've got Gordon playing and it's like, all right, well, you know, we're going to change gears. We're going to give Gordon the ball in the second half. And that's kind of what happened today. We saw him go off and just – rip off a couple buckets, get a couple good looks. I remember he had one pump fake to get the defender going off of him in the arc, step back again, drains the three. And it was just so fluid. Seeing these kind of looks from guys and seeing them go up and being able to perform at this kind of level, especially when we saw that game against OKC. You know, that OKC game wasn't terrible, but you could see that they were clearly kicking off the rust. This felt much more like a game speed situation. And granted, like, I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that it's against Phoenix versus OKC, who are definitely the, – the Thunder are definitely like a sleeper playoff threat. But concerning the situation with the Celtics, I think part of it was going against Phoenix. Part of it was also a concerted effort to be much better on those defensive transitions. And then it was also just a factor of them having Kemba Walker back. I think that's also a big thing we need to talk about. You didn't play too many minutes, but 
having Kemba Walker back in that situation, it puts Marcus Smart on the bench, who I will say Marcus Smart was five for five from the field, and he did not take a single three. I think that's big. But I think this is finally – we're starting to see this unit flush together a little bit more, and I really want to see what they do against Houston. Houston is going to be a big test in terms of scrimmage and getting ready for the Bucs. Five for five from the field. Guys, if I do my math correctly, that's 100%. That's 100%. And there's no other way to get around that. Marcus Smart, you know, I love when Marcus Smart starts and, and depending on the, uh, the matchups or if there's an injury or whatnot. But man, I, I don't you just feel like his place is the guy off the bench that just brings the thunder, like brings, brings it. He's able to bring more energy because he's not observing as much on the offense, you know, starting. He's able to just be who he is, and he's more comfortable to me in his skin. His shots fall better when he's coming off the bench, and he's running with the unit that, you know, he's a leader. So he's able to kind of like control that second unit in a way or whatnot. But I did want to rewind just a little bit because for Hayward, this guy played 25 minutes, guys. That's huge. Like, that's huge. That's huge in a scrimmage because you're going to need to get probably eh, maybe maybe close to 30 30, 32 going forward when we get into this playoff situation. And this guy has been consistent. You know, Tim, you talked about it earlier. You said that this guy, he shot 60%. Like, he just shot 60%. He was 6 for 10. And some of the shots that I was able to watch him take, the three-point shot I really want to address because that was – that was so amazing to watch. Like, it was like a video game where you pump fake, the guy jumps by you, you look around, you got like, and then you, you almost pump fake again, and then you shoot it. And it was like he was trying to make sure he had his foot behind the line. Man, when you have enough time to line up your shot, and if his shots are falling and other players' shots are falling because they have time to set up and get their shots going, oh, man, don't let every player have all the confidence because this team is just going to be a really problem. I, don't, I know we, I know it was against the Phoenix Suns, but come on, man, they're, they're an NBA professional team and they always give us problems. They give us problems because they have a guard that is, that can score at will against us. And they have a big man that we kind of struggle against. And I definitely want to talk about how well the bigs played in this game. Cause I thought it was a lot better than the way they played against Adams and OKC, but to, to kick off to Kemba Walker, it was great seeing him back out on the court. Uh, what do you have? Six points. He played nine minutes, and it was just good to have him back there. And that with the, the first, second play where he was able to get by, he was able he blew past Aiton and got the air one on top of that. So it was good to have Cardiac Kimba back, and I can't wait to see, you know, how they, they manage his minutes going forward. Yeah, I mean, Kemba played well. His burst of speed was definitely there. He operated the way Kemba was operating during the regular season in terms of high pick and roll usage as the ball handler, high facilitation once he's once he was driving into the teeth of the defense, he was looking where he could move the ball. So he was facilitating to slashers. And that's what you want him to do. When the shot's not there for him, then he's going to hit a guy who's cutting in or he's going to hit a guy who's curling or hitting a flare screen. Whatever the off-ball rotations are that are happening at that moment in time, Kemba kind of, solidifies those rotations in a way he makes sure that everything's consistent he makes sure that he's always making the right read and we know from previous podcasts that Kemba isn't my number one favorite guard in the league but when he's playing he does tend to elevate the guys around him because he does make the right read consistently and again consistency breeds excellence before we go on to the bigs, I want to touch on one more guy and then we'll touch on the bigs and then head off to break and then come back and start looking at around the league news. I want to touch on Romeo. So Romeo didn't really sit, well, he didn't sit the floor until there was three minutes left in the third. He entered bang on three minutes and he played well. He got some shots up. His jumper from the, I think it was from the right side corner, just looked picturesque that the mechanics on it, the way he followed it through, the way he waited to the apex of his jump, everything looked like that shot was destined to go in. He looked natural. He looked comfortable. He flashed an ability as a slasher. He flashed an ability as a pull-up scorer. He flashed an ability to draw contact on the way to get into the line. If Hayward does, and so it's more of an if, it's more of a when than an if, 
But if Hayward does have to leave the bubble for when Robin goes into labour, then I can see Romeo being thrust into a rotation spot a lot bigger than what we're going to see leading up until that point, especially if he keeps playing the way he did. And I get it, it was a scrimmage, it wasn't competitive, but that was some of the best offensive basketball I've seen from Romeo all season. And I think the same can be said for Carson Edwards as well. I think a lot of the young guys have stepped up, especially in game two. I think I've loved everything I've seen from Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters has been moving the ball really well. So I think he's a guy they're going to be able to depend upon. But especially with Romeo Langford, we didn't see anything from him in game one. He didn't really get any minutes. I don't think he played at all. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He had a stomach issue. My bad. Right, 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 right. No, no, I just wanted to double check myself before I went spouting off. Uh, So we ended up getting to see him today, and he looked really, really solid. He shot well from the field. He was moving the ball. He had a couple assists, I think, as well. You know, the fact that you were able to go ahead and put a young guy in like that when they're just trying to get acclimated with the system. I think the situation in Orlando, of course, is not ideal, but it's also going to give a lot of young guys an opportunity to play without that kind of pressure. You know, it stinks to be away from the comforts of home, but you're also not going into a hostile environment with hostile fans, and you're not feeling the pressure of the home crowd. You know, as much as Boston is, you know, a great environment to play in for playoff basketball, it's really tough for young guys to get going. You know, we expect excellence. And I think as fans, that's kind of just the atmosphere that you get involved into. So as a young guy in the league, I imagine it's really, really difficult if you're just not having those shots falling, if you're struggling to get it going offensively, and just trying to find your place in a system, especially Brad Stevens, where Brad doesn't exactly favor rookies. You know, he tries to ease people into the system and find those roles that are perfect for them. So the fact that Langford had a good game, the fact that Edwards had a good game, Tremont Waters continued to flash, Grant Williams continued to flash, those those are great things for me. And I think, especially as you said, Adam, with, with Romeo Langford, I think he's going to be big when you when you have to come down to it and spell Gordon Hayward's minutes when Gordon Hayward eventually has to leave the bubble. So I'm hoping we see more Romeo against Houston. I think he could be a very, very important rotational piece to this team. I agree 100%. The thing I love about Langford the most is just his size and his ability to just defend. And we watched him facilitate the ball. Like he, he had the ball, he was able to get the ball and kick the ball out to the right shooter. I think he had an assist with Carson Edwards and he hit a couple of shots today. Like he, what he, he had nine points, if I'm not mistaken. So Romeo Langford, you, we say that Brad doesn't really favor rookies. This is a rookie that he likes <laughs> or loves. And the reason why I know that is because we've watched Brad try to insert him as many ways as he could once he became available to be um, inserted into the lineup. So this is definitely, he's definitely going to play a, a, a nice, 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 nice role with the Celtics going forward. And he's definitely going to be a huge factor for the Celtics, especially if he can get going. And here's the thing, even if he doesn't be that scoring option for you, you know you're going to be able to probably get him to force a turnover, get somebody else out in transition, get the assist on that pass, or or there's other ways that he's factorable in the equation. But the fact that he's able and he's confident in taking those shots and hitting those corner threes and, and getting to the bucket, getting to the, uh, the, the hoop or whatnot, that's what's going to help Romeo Langford out. And it's cool that he has to spell a guy like, Gordon Hayward because he's seeing exactly the role that he needs to fit dribble drive penetrate kick out get you know it's it's a great thing for Romeo Langford and you know he didn't play against OKC because of the stomach bug but the fact that he was able to play against the Phoenix Suns was huge and I can't wait to see what his role is going to be against the Houston Rockets I think he's going to have a huge role and play a huge factor and night in and night out it, it could be just me but I feel like we have uh, a specific player on each team that's going to be like the X-Men or the X-Factor or whatnot. Like they're going to, they're going to like someone that they're not looking forward to is going to have a, a huge role depending on the matchup. And one more person I did want to touch on because we, we never give him his, his credit. Brad Wanamaker had a pretty decent game guys. Like he had, he had, he had a pretty solid game. You know, he played about 20 something minutes, 20, 21 minutes. He had nine points, four rebounds, four assists. He had a steal. What did he do? His shots, he was 37.5 from, uh, from the field goal percentage wise, but he, you know, 
He was able to get in there, had a few turnovers, but he was able to get in there, and you need him to spell the point guard. Like, you need him to come in and keep the fluidity of the game going. You mentioned Tremont Waters. He had three assists against the Suns as well. I thought he played better against OKC, but he definitely did his thing against the Phoenix Suns by just facilitating, just keeping the offense flowing. Oh, they got a bucket. All right, let's go back down here, guys. Get to your spots. I'm going get to you, get you into a transition and get you a bucket. So I really like what these guys are doing, and I can't wait to see what they uh, entail for the next uh, scrimmage game going forward. Yeah, so Brad Wanamaker for me is the guy that's going to be the bench guard, regardless of how good Tremont plays. Tremont was playing in the G League. Tremont was a two-way guy that was never positioned to feature in the playoffs. I don't feel like... I feel Tremont's a phenomenal guard. I feel like he's a more of a true point guard than Wanamaker is. He's a much better facilitator. He's better at causing defense collapses so he can kick out. And he's also probably got a better step-back jumper as well. However, Wanamaker is a lot more reliable. He takes less risks. He runs the point specifically to get the job done. He'll make the right pass every time. He'll make the right read. And he will shoot when the opportunity arises and he feels like he can get his shot off comfortably. Problem with Wanamaker is he does have games where he goes missing. If it starts to get too intense, he kind of folds a little bit. And you might see a little bit of Tremont there because Tremont comes across as fearless, right? But overall, I feel like unless there's a reoccurring issue with Kemba's knee, then you might see Tremont step into some of those minutes. But generally, I feel like Tremont's going to be on the bench except for garbage time or specific matchups. If you want to quickly touch on Biggs, then I feel like Tyson needs to get some more reps under his belt. He's still a bit rusty. He was struggling to keep up with the rotations again. He did have a few good plays. He was setting solid screens. He was slipping when he needed to. We're yet to see him go back to doing those seals, though, right? I mean, I've seen him do one or two, but it's not as consistent and it's not as smooth and polished as what they were before. And as Kanta... He does what he does on offense, and he does it really well. And I love watching him go to work on the low block. It's a nice little throwback to the 90s and early 2000s basketball. On the defensive end, he was playing drop, but the way teams were... I mean, OKC did a great job of this. And Phoenix kind of piggybacked off it. They'll switch a guard onto... So they'll switch so that Kansas guarding like a point guard or a two guard or maybe a wing. And they'll, they'll get that wing to pull the ball back out to the top and reset. And when that happens, Kanta has to step forward so he's in, in range to contest the free. But you've pulled Kanta so far right now that he doesn't have the lateral quickness to keep with you when you blow by him off the drive. And that happened three or four times in the third quarter, actually. Switched on to whoever was the ball handler. The ball handler reset at the top of the key. Kanta had to leave the helpline to be able to contest if the ball handler pulled up for the jumper. And boom, the jump, the, guy, the ball handler either passed on and then started to cut or just drove right on by Kanta. And that's going to be something that he needs to be a lot more disciplined with. Grant Williams, however, was phenomenal. I think Grant continues to prove the fact that he fits with this team. You know, And I, I talked about it before we started, but there was a graphic that dropped during the game that Grant has the second highest plus minus of this rookie class for this season. Grant, you know, we lost about 20 some odd games this season before COVID happened, but that's still incredible. The fact that he's come in and just immediately meshed and fit this scheme perfectly, it bodes well. And, you know, now we're seeing him come in in a lot better shape than he was before. Not to say that he was in bad shape before, but he is seriously taking some time to work on his body and he's hitting threes like crazy. He's bouncing around that secondary unit defensively is just taking massive steps forward. So I'm hoping we continue to see this emergence and I'm hoping they start giving him more minutes because at the end of the day, I think he's a really, really good fit along most of our players. The thing I love about Grant Williams and Simi together, they're, they're, they're almost somewhat sort of identical, like, to way, the way they play. I mean, they have – I'm just looking at their, their stats, and they played almost identical minutes. So that's what's happening. Like, they're both splitting maybe one person's minutes. So they're, they're rotating on that. The thing I love about Grant, though, is it's just his his gift to play, you know, and of, of playing basketball. I mean, he seems to play it at a high level. He seems to be having fun out there when he's on the court. 
regardless of whether he's scoring, hitting threes, uh, doing the intangible stuffs, blocking shots, getting rebounds, all the things that we've seen, like not our super bigs can do. Um, he's out there doing it, like, and he's doing a great job at it. Uh, Grant Williams, for me, I think in a Phoenix game, not the Phoenix game, in the OKC Thunder game, when he hit that three, and then one of the commentators was like, it could have been Scalabrine, was like, well, usually it takes him about a, a, a few shots to, to hit a, a three, and now he's coming out here, and it was like one of the first shots he took as soon as he came in the game, and was like, swish! So, that's confidence, guys. That, that, that That's something that we can't you can't teach like it can. It has to be bred, and 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 it just it just breeds and breeds and breeds. And that's my point. Adam talks about the confidence and the consistency and all those different types of things. Listen, you know, one guy like they're they're all their brothers keepers. Like that one guy's picking up the next guy, and then one guy's and then other guys picking up the guy after that. And it's okay. Like shake this play up, Tatum. You're not hitting your shots. No problem. I got you. Swish. Here comes Brown. Like. These are the like intangibles that we're seeing, and this is a term I love to use, and I can't wait till the regular season starts so it could just mean so much more. You're starting to see a band of brothers, and if you're not familiar with that TV show that used to come on HBO, check it out. It's a great show, but they're starting to play for one another, and they're starting to show uh, resiliency, right? So we're going to watch these guys start it all off, come next week, when Friday they kick off their first game against the Bucks, and we're gonna see, and we're gonna be able to really evaluate from there. But I do, I will say that they will go out and give the Bucks all they can have. So the Bucks better be ready. And with that, we'll head off to break. When we come back, we're gonna look at what's going on around the NBA, and then we're gonna take a little bit of time to talk about news surrounding the Celtics that is not pertinent towards the last two games. We'll be back. We're going to have a nice little break. We're going to refuel with some nice H2O so we sound nice and crystal clear for y'all. So, we're going to dive into some talking points, which runs on social media. We're going to start with Mr. Lou Williams. Sweet Lou. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it goes to say everything with Lou Williams, he left the bubble. He said it was for private, like family reasons or something like that. But then rapper, what, I think is it Jack Har- Harlow? Jack Harlow posted a picture of him and Lou Will at the club, then immediately deleted it. Said, oh, this is a picture from a while ago. I was just remin- reminiscing because I miss Lou. And so now they did an investigation to see whether or not Lou Williams was at a strip club. And now he's on a 10-day quarantine. He's going to miss some of the games they've got for the plan, uh, for those eight games for the Clippers. I don't know what your guys' opinion on, and I'm sure we're going to get to it in a moment, but I think it's incredibly reckless. You know, there are a lot of places you can go that are high risk for contracting COVID-19. I can't imagine that strip clubs are not pretty high on that list like you don't need to go to a gentleman's club in the middle of a pandemic to hang out with a rapper when you said you were leaving for personal reasons if if I'm the Clippers as an organization I'd be pretty upset if I were fans I'd be very upset if I were teammates of Lou Williams I'd probably be like look man I get it but what are you doing and I think the whole purpose of the bubble and the only way it's going to work is if Guys are smart, and they don't take risks like this. This was an unnecessary risk. He did not need to go. He went for recreational reasons or what you will. And it was an avoidable situation. And the fact that he went in there so recklessly is just so selfish. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ticks off guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George saying, listen, dude, like we get it, but like, why are you doing this right now? You know we can't do this. And now we're going to miss you for more games because of it. It's dumb. I mean, to be first and foremost, it's allegedly went to a strip club. There is, until, you know, it's alleged. We can't speculate without proof. We're not in a position where we have insider knowledge. And even if we were, we wouldn't be able to speak on it because that's the point of having insider knowledge. So it's an alleged strip club. It's an alleged break of the rules. The team haven't released a statement. So we're going to go with alleged. However, 
if he went to the strip club and he was wearing an NBA issued mask that didn't get issued until he went to the bubble, then it was kind of a silly move. More so, he's not going to get paid for those two games. So he's, he's going to lose some financial... I don't even know what word I want to use. He's going to lose some cash. Restitutions? Yeah, there we go. See, you got me there. It's late for me, dudes. <laughs> it's like it's coming up to midnight. Um, he's going to lose some cash. He's going to miss two of the seeding games. He's probably going to fall down the rotation for the rest of those seeding games because not only is he missing the seeding games, he's missing some of the scrimmages, so his fitness isn't going to be where it needs to be. Was it dumb? Yeah. Understandable? Kind of. Is he being punished for it? Yeah. Are we going to remember this in 12 months? Most likely not. I just think it's funny. Listen, I, I, <laughs> I, I understand 100% the risks. Like that, the risk not only that he took, the risk of putting his, his teammates in, in danger. Like that, that's, that's the issue. But here's the thing, like, right, so we, we, I have a couple questions. One, one of my questions is, why the hell are the strip clubs open? And then number two, um, I, I hear they have really good food, too. So it's, it's not just a strip club. It's also a restaurant. So Magic City, I heard that chicken wings be popping. I'm just going to keep it a buck. Like, I can't say if I've ever been there or not because I, I don't want to get in trouble. But I, I just heard that their chicken wings and, and their food is really good. And I mean... He, he said he needed to leave for personal reasons. I mean, going to a place is kind of like a personal thing, especially if he needs to, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, I do agree with you guys. The risk is way worse than the reward. But, I mean, 10, 10 day, it, it's, it's so weird because it's like, you can't suspend a player for, for doing this, but... The ten day quarantine is like a suspension, like in in my eyes, it's it's like a suspension for the quarantined. It's not necessarily a suspension because what's the regular quarantine? Three day, seven day. It's this is ten, four day. It is it's super it's super weird. So, you know, Lou, you know, I, I hope if if this allegedly happened, I'm sure it was worth it. Your team is going to miss you for a couple of games. Just get your mind right, get refocused, get back into NBA form, man. And he's probably going to go out there and find a way to drop 30-something plus a night off the bench. So, that's, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just that, eh, it, you know, it's not, it, he went to a club. According to ESPN, he did acknowledge the fact that he was at Magic City. But as you said, he was only there to pick up food. He, says, he said, ask any of my teammates what my favorite restaurant in Atlanta is. Like, I'm not partying. Everyone needs to chill out, mask on. Like, I was in and out. So, regardless, it was an unnecessary step to take. So, but it's, it, if he followed the protocol yeah, of leaving true. the bubble to go get food, they got to figure that out. It, well, he left the bubble for personal reasons, and then on, after he'd been done whatever he needed to do, he went to pick up food. He didn't leave the bubble just to go to Magic City. <laughs> I really need some like, Magic oh. City wings right now. Well, you just don't know, right? I mean, he could have just needed some, like, when I, I need comfort food and I'm sad. I mean, we don't know what the personal reasons are. And my comfort food, I'm reaching to it every time. I love my comfort food. Moving on, though, because we don't want to spend too much time talking about an alleged <laughs> visit to a strip club. Allegedly. Magic City. Another big thing that's been circling Twitter for the last few days, circling the NBA stratosphere, has been the New York Knicks picking up Tom, Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. I do not like the pickup. I feel like they would have been far more, in, far more benefited. The benefits would have been far greater. There we go. The benefits would have been far greater. Beneficial. By going with Kenny Atkinson. Just because of the age of the team, Kenny Atkinson went into Brooklyn when they were young and they were rebuilding with no draft picks to their name and turned them into a playoff contender. He'd done it at Brooklyn. He, it's only a short hop to New York. He understands the city. He understands, you know, he's coached against this team very recently in four-game series at each time they've seen. He knows what the roster of the New York Knicks look like already. Tibbs, he was great with Chicago. Let's not get it, let's not get it twisted. He's got a reputation for slowly bringing a long, young talent. He's also got a reputation for running that young talent into the ground. 
Yep. Like ridiculously far into the ground. Like so far into the ground that they're never coming back out of that ground once they're in it. He will run those guys until their potential falls through, falls off a cliff. My opinion. I just think that his style of coaching is less suited to today's. I think with, especially when you mentioned Kenny Atkinson, Atkinson would have been such a nice fit. If you look at it from twofold, right? So you saw what he was able to do in Brooklyn. But then from a Knicks perspective, Knicks versus Nets, that like there's a rivalry there. There's like a rivalry for the heart of New York. So if you went ahead and you snagged their former coach, which by the way, I don't think Atkins should, should have been let go from the Nets. That is my personal opinion. We already know that there is some political stuff with KD and Kyrie and who they want calling the shots there. But Atkinson did a lot with that Nets core as they were rebuilding. And he was a really good fit for those young guys and trying to get those young guys some run. So he would be a much better fit in my eyes. It's not that Thibodeau is a bad coach. Tom Thibodeau is a very good coach. But as Adam said, you know, he is notoriously known for running dudes into the ground. You know, I thought Thibodeau was going to be much better in Minnesota than he was. And that Minnesota team did not work out well. Uh, I, I know that Jimmy Butler was a big fan of Thibodeau in Chicago. Uh, was one of the guys who was advocating for him versus the management faceoff they had there. Part of the reason why Jimmy Butler ended up getting traded. But, you know, it, it, it's not the same kind of basketball. Thibodeau is very much defense-oriented, and he's not really great at managing minutes. And as Adam said, trying to bring these young guys along, that's good. But the Knicks situation is just an absolute cluster. It's just a mess when it comes to where they have talent and in terms of how they handled the money they had this offseason because, of course, they missed out on the Kyrie and the KD sweepstakes. So instead they signed eight different forwards who have all got expiring deals. They're going to have some more financial flexibility. But that team needs to – pick a coach so they can actually pick a direction in the style of play they want to work with. Because then at that point you can start developing and figuring out what you guys need to be doing in terms of as an organization, trying to play a certain style of basketball. Right now I feel like they're a ship without a rudder. And I don't know if Thibodeau is going to be the guy who's going to be able to lead at the helm of that ship. I just don't see it. I'm mute. Thibby, that's my guy. Look guys, he's a defensive minded coach. So the one thing he's going to do with this young core, the young players, he's going to get them to play great defense. And at least that in the East is probably what you need to at least be some somewhat of a contender um, coming out of the Eastern Conference. He, when he got, became the head coach of the, of the Minnesota Timberwolves, he had some good talent there. You know, he just, it was just out of his league to be able to coach a super young squad in the West. And I think coming to the East where he's back home, he's really close to home, man. He's a Connecticut guy. He's probably, he probably my neighbor or something, whatnot. But he's a Connecticut guy. And, and I do understand that his, his style of coaching may be run to the ground. But it's hard to say that because we watch old styles of coaches work. And maybe he's changed. Maybe he's going to bring on the right unit. I'm happy for the Knicks because they got a guy that they feel like they're going to believe in for at least – I don't know how many of the five years he has to do. <laughs> like he's, he's guaranteed to be there, but at least he got a nice five-year contract to where he can sit there, reshape the organization and the eyes that he see, sees fit. He's done this twice before. He's probably going to find ways to have help, have guidance. And I think he's going to be all right. The good thing is he has Barrett and that, that's a great start, right? And now you're going to figure out what he's going to do with the 95 power forts that they signed last year in the offseason, he has to figure that out. I'm sure he'll pick one of them, keep it moving, get some scores, get some guys in there to do those things. So that way he can, and you know, input his style of coaching and whatnot. And I'm sure he's changed. He, he, you have to, in order to, to stay amongst the top or not saying he was ever in the top and in order to stay in the, in the, in the eyes of the, of the best, like you have to be able to adapt if not, you won't be. You won't have a job for very long. So I, I think the fact that they offered him this job was because they have the mindset. They believe that he's going to be able to coach the Knicks to somewhat, not saying a championship, but to somewhat some of a, a success for the New York Knicks. So I'm happy for them. We still gonna kick that tail though. Yeah, I mean the one thing to note is that they also signed a lot of front office guys. They went with Worldwide West. They went with Leon Rose. Leon Rose. 
and my co-host of the other podcast that I participate in is actually a cover for the Knicks. Um, he, do, he covers Knicks um, for Sports Illustrated, Jonathan Macri, and he was linking Tibbs to that job from the minute Leon Rose got the front office opportunity because apparently they've got connections. I do think Tibbs could do well. I'm not saying that he's the worst pickup ever. What I'm saying is that there's other coaches that I feel were better suited for the roster that's there. I feel sorry for Taj Gibson because I can pretty much guarantee that Tibbs is keeping Taj Gibson and going to run him into the end of his career. Gibson was thinking he'd got away from Tibbs, got an easy few years before he can retire and get on a boat and go fishing. Now, son, you're running marathons for the next 82 games, non-stop. <laughs> like, so we're moving on. We're going to hit some Celtics news now. So we're going to start off with Gatorade and Haywood Day. I like it. I like, I, we don't really get Gatorade in the UK. I see it around sometimes. It's one flavor. Apparently, you guys have it on a much larger scale. Here we go, Gatorade. Haywood Day, to me, should be a national day, especially if you guide the team to a championship. I mean, it's cool to get some kind of recognition. I think for Gordon Hayward, especially to get back into the swing of things, Gatorade is a massive brand in the U.S. and is a massive tie to the NBA specifically. It's the whole reason why it's called the NBA G League now as opposed to the D League. So I'm happy for Gordon. I'm happy to get a little bit of national love for a guy who's working his way back from that devastating injury and now free from the shackles of all the drama that was with Kyrie Irving. I'm really excited to see what Gordon Hayward what Gordon Hayward is able to do with this roster at full strength. You know, this is the first time we've really seen this roster get fully healthy. We saw a little bit of Kemba today too, but I think we're going to see some real special stuff out of Gordon this playoff run. I just feel it. I thought the promo for Gordon Hayward by Gatorade was like astonishing. All right, listen, we watched the guy, you know, almost have like this career ending type looking at least the way it looked like we watched it on national TV it looked like this guy was never going to play the game again and he's been battling his way back you know and it's not the easiest hill to um to climb up you know to come back from an injury from any type of injury and that injury itself was ugh, disgusting but the fact that Gordon, uh the fact that Gatorade reached out to Gordon they did a promo this was something that we really need he really needed, and us fans of Gordon Hayward and Celtics fans, we want to see our guys put up amongst the Raptors. Like, we want to see them in posters and, and videos and commercials. And I always say, like, there's, there's two brands in, in, for the NBA that, that will make you, and that's Jordan and Gatorade. Like, those, those are two brands, and Nike, so three brands, you know? Like, those brands is, is what will help you keep your ships afloat. So I think this was definitely a good confidence boost. And as you can see his play for the past two scrimmage games, this guy has been shooting like Gordon Hayward. I'm not saying he's hitting three-point shots like we want to see him hit three-point shots. I just like the way he's able. He has this one move, right? He's able to, like, he'll dribble around you. He'll get around you. He'll wait for you to react. He'll step back and Pop it in your face. And it's, 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 it's consistently going in. That's a Gordon Hayward move, and he's doing it on that foot. <laughs> so that's the part that I love about it. So kudos to Gatorade. Shout out to Gordon Hayward. Celtics keep rising. And the final topic we'll hit on, because we've ran quite long, Jason Tatum be Zoom calling Deuce and reading him bedtime stories. Man, I think that's awesome. I think that's such a good way to stay in touch with the kids. I think that, Tatum and Deuce have been one of the feel-good stories of the Celtics all season or last season too. Deuce is as much as a celebrity as Tatum is at this point. I'm, I'm more happy to see Deuce content than I am to see Wanamaker content. I'm, I'm straight up. like I'm happy to see. I think it's great. And uh, they need to make some form of like recording of that, in my opinion. Like, I'm not saying people need to monetize off Deuce because that would be wrong, but... If we could hear, if we could just hear Tatum reading a story at any point, that would be funny because Tatum just don't seem to talk too much anyway. Right, right. I thought it was definitely awesome as 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 a father, just to see him do fatherly things was just amazing. And um, I know when I'm out on the road and I'm doing my things, just a FaceTime call, it just lights up the kids' world and it lights up the, the parents' world as well. So this was excellent. 
kudos to Tatum. Keep up the great work in being a dad. Keep up the great work in being an NBA player. We're rooting for you. I agree with that, man. It's, it's difficult, especially it's difficult being a young dad. And I can't imagine, I assume for the next couple of years, I'll find myself in that same situation, but you know, you won't find yourself in the young dad situation. You'll find yourself in the dad situation. It's just the dad situation. Being a father is difficult in itself, but to (laughs) to be doing that as an NBA player, as a young NBA player, especially just getting into the league and then having this entire, you know, COVID Orlando bubble that you have to worry about too, just, it adds a whole other layer that I, I can't even fathom. So the fact that he's able to even have these calls with the son, that's so huge. And, you know, the, the relationship they have just seems so pure and everything. And I just, I'm happy that he's able to still have those calls. And I, I hope, you know, at the end of the day that these few months that they have to play in the bubble, I hope they go fast because being away from your son that long must be agonizing. And I hope that, uh, I hope that these Zoom calls help. You know, they're adorable and stuff. We could, you know, gas them up as much as we want to say, oh, this is great. This is good fatherhood, you know, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, just it it is another reminder of the sacrifices that these guys are making in order to make sure that the NBA season can continue. So massive props to them. I mean, I was around about Tatum's age when I become a daddy. Uh, I didn't have the millions in the bank. It's a big, it's a big factor there. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a big factor, and it was tough. But there again, money doesn't stop the kid from crying for the night. Doesn't stop you missing them when you're on the road. You can't be like, oh well, you've got money, so it's easier because that's ignorant and it's just so not true. Uh, I I feel like it's great for it, for him to be able to stay in touch with Deuce. I feel like it's great for him to be reading those stories. I do want Tatum to now do a. YouTube video where he just reads a bedtime story so everyone else can play it to their kids. I feel like the Celtics need to jump on that. Or he can do something where he it's Tatum's bedtime stories and he starts up some type of charity and, and then boom, and everybody gives it to something like that. I think that would be cool to read bedtime stories to children of all, of all uh, everyone. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's a, a great idea. You see loads of these players going out there trying to be rappers. I'm looking at you, Marvin Bagley. Dame Lillard, love except because he's the best rapper in the NBA. Can't front. But, <laughs> but no, that would be great. That would be a different type of charity that you could do that would hit kids that really need it, that really need that pick-me-up. We're going to leave it there because we're going down some different avenues now. We'll be back again on Wednesday with some more Boston Celtics news, NBA news, some hot takes from Mr. Wayne and Tim, and some level-headedness from Mr. Adam, because I try not to swing too far either way. Tim, however, takes hot takes all days. (laughs) Hot takes for days. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. Well, now, to be fair, they're usually icy. 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 I'm just throwing throwing shade. We'll be back on Wednesday, y'all. See ya. Peace out. Later. Icy takes Tim.